the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a relationship expert, executive consultant, and life management coach. Cynthia Hyatt uses her 30 years of experience as a licensed psychotherapist to now offer in-office or concierge services through executive life coaching, consulting, and image management in order to help you be your own best version. Cynthia also specializes in speaking to groups worldwide about how to be successful in relationships, as well as artfully handling life's challenges. She has had many opportunities to present numerous educational seminars and lectures on a variety of motivational, inspirational, and mental health topics around the world. Please take a moment to visit her website at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's Cynthia, H-I-E-T-T dot com. Her Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Incorporated for current events, updates, and inspiration during your week, as well as all social media platforms. You can hear this show as a podcast on iTunes and many other podcast services. Follow her on Facebook and Instagram. Now, with today's fresh insight, here's Cynthia Hyatt. Well, good afternoon. I hope you are doing well today, and thank you so much for tuning in and taking some time just to maybe be encouraged, educated, maybe refreshed, inspired, whatever that may be. But I'm really thankful that that you're joining me today. And thank you again always for your just your presence on Facebook, Instagram, you know, the website, all the, all those areas that, that we are trying to put things out there that are inspiring to you. So you can always contact me at CynthiaHyatt at gmail.com. If you have ideas, if you want me to do a show on a particular topic, I'd love to tailor make that for you all. So thank you again for being here today. And we are going to do a show today that is probably my favorite of all topics. And it's what started me out in this whole process of my life and what I do for a living. And that comes down to the idea of conception. And so I know many of you have heard my story before about being adopted and these types of things and the way that God has worked in my life and explained to me so much of what that was about. And so we're going to go back to when I first started writing and first started writing radio shows, and it was about being your own best version. And God gave that to me probably in 1990, and that was having a lot to do with the fact that I struggled with identity and that God wanted me to be the best version of me, that I only compete with me that nobody can be better at being me than me and nobody can be worse at being me than me. And he wanted me to focus more on not the comparing and contrasting of people around me, but comparing myself to myself, comparing myself to the past self. Am I better than I was back then? 
Have I grown? Have I changed? Have I evolved? Am I slipping? Am I being a worse version of myself than I have been in the past? And to really be able to do that kind of self-monitoring without judgment. And so it comes from, <clears throat> excuse me, this idea about that this, what, what the psalmist says in Psalms 139. And this was a very, very meaningful moment that God gave me. And this is what it says. This is in the New Living Translation. And it says, Lord, you've examined my heart and you know everything about me. Uh, okay, let's just, if we stop right there. In and of itself, I don't know how you feel about somebody knowing everything about you. That's kind of daunting. It's kind of overwhelming. So the psalmist goes on to say, you know when I sit down or when I stand up, you know my thoughts, even when I'm far away. So even when I'm not feeling close to God, he knows my thoughts. He goes on to say, you see me when I travel and when I rest at home, you know everything I do. Okay, again, if we really take this to heart and think about this, God is saying, you know everything about me, and now you know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say, even before I say it, Lord. You go before me, and you follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Now, isn't that interesting, that the whole thing that we've been reading so far is that you know everything about me. You know when I sit, when I stand. You know everything I'm going to say. You know everything I do. You go before me and you follow me. But you're placing your hand of blessing on my head. Even knowing me as well as you know me, you are placing your hand of blessing on me. And the psalmist goes on to say in in verse 6, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's too great for me to understand. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride on the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. So this is important to look at this and say, you know, the heights, the highest places, the lowest places, he's there. He goes with me wherever I go. Now, I don't know about you, but there have been times in my life where if I really think about the fact that God went with me, I'm a little bit embarrassed. Like, I I don't know why I would take God to that place or why I would take God to the place where I'm doing what I'm doing. And so the thought that he says, you know what, I'm not really asking your permission about that. I'm just going with you anyways. Wherever you go, I'm going to go. And that God would be willing to go to places that might be a little unseemly, might be somewhat embarrassing, might be something that I would not ever want someone to know. But I come to find that he was there in the midst, in the midst of every moment of my life. And it goes on to say, if I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. Now, isn't that an amazing God that I don't have to go find him and be wherever he is so that my life is working. He comes to me. What a humble God that is. He comes to me. And wherever I go, he says, okay, I'll go there. I'll be with you. He might not save me from all the consequences, but he tells me that he will never abandon me. So even there, your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. So even in the darkest moments... 
in the worst places that I have gone, either internally in my thoughts, in my feelings, or externally where I have gone. He is saying, your hand will still guide me, so you will guide me back out into a better place. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become my light, but even in the darkness I cannot hide from you. To the night shines as bright as the day. Darkness and light are the same to you. That's amazing, isn't it? That he's not affected by the things that we're affected by. It doesn't cause him to be less God. So it goes on to say in in verse 13, and this is one of the verses that was very important to me when I was really working on identity issues. And he said, You made all the delicate inner parts of my body. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Now that's important, especially for adopted people. Because this is saying to me that it's not my, my birth mother who made me or whoever, or my birth father and my birth mother have not made me. The only way a person can be made is if God does it. Now, he uses, he uses those materials that men and women give to one another when they're having, you know, sexual intercourse so that they can have a baby. But we don't make, we don't make those things. So he says, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and you knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. All right, now that's a big one because for me, when I would say to God, thank you for making me so wonderfully complex, that was a hard one for me to thank God for. And my tendency in earlier in my life was to be complicated versus complex. And so I've worked hard on being less complicated and appreciating the complexities. And so it goes on to say, your workmanship is marvelous, how well I know it. Well, it took me a long time to know how marvelous his workmanship is in my life. I didn't know it. Not only did I not know it, I wouldn't have accepted it. I wasn't happy with who I was. I didn't want to be who I was. And so it's really important as we understand that out of all the religions that have ever been around, this is the one faith that says the creator wants to know the creation. The creator wants to know and have relationship with what he created. So he goes on to say, you watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. And every day of my life was recorded in your book. Now, the reason that this is important is because we're going to talk about this concept of inception and conception. And so he says, I saw you before you were born. Every day of your life is recorded in my book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. And the psalmist goes on to say, how precious are your thoughts about me, God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. So God never leaves us. See, he doesn't, he doesn't make emotional decisions necessarily based on, on our actions of, as to whether or not he wants to be in relationship with us. He formed us. He created us. He knew be, before we were born. 
And he wanted us to be born. And he wants to be with us for eternity. Now, that's fascinating. That's, that's overwhelming. So when you look at this, you know, idea of inception or conception, we usually talk mostly about conception. So when that person was conceived. So what we're going to do in the next segment, <clears throat> as we're getting closer to that, excuse me, <clears throat> is we are going to look at the word inception versus conception and why that might be so important as we think about this Psalms 139 passage and, and what the psalmist is saying that God is telling us and that he knows everything about us. He knows our thoughts before they even happen. Even when we're far away from God, he still knows us and hears us. He sees where we travel. He sees when we rest. He knows everything we do. Now, this is what's so fascinating, especially for a therapist as myself. The idea that somebody would know every single thing about you, where you go, what you think, how you feel, what you want, can be incredibly invasive. But it's amazing to me that God can know me that well, and I have never felt invaded by God. Never. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we talk about Inception. Welcome back. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host, and you're listening to Conversations with Cynthia. Make sure you check out the website at CynthiaHyatt.com. You can listen to um, the shows on, on certainly online. You can also go to any of your favorite podcast servers. And we are <clears throat> excuse me, usually on most of the, the podcast servers. You can find us there as well. So I love your comments. I love the activity that I see. And I really appreciate uh, your support and just, just the ideas that you all have. So speaking of ideas... Right when we were finishing and we were offline there for a while, Jeremy, my producer, was commenting on what I just talked about in Psalms 139. And it was so eloquent and so meaningful, I wanted him to tell you all. So, Jeremy, tell them what you told me. Of course. So, like we were just saying, like, uh, it, it, to think of somebody who is, you know, uh, knows everything about you, it is. It's a little daunting or it's a, it's, that makes you a little nervous. But it made me think, like, how good that is of a feeling of, let's say you've been holding on to something or something like that, and how good it feels to finally tell somebody and you get that off your chest. Like the feeling of that is just such a great feeling. And it is kind of nice to know that somebody, you know, God knows those things. Maybe you don't have to speak it, but at least it's nice and it feels good that something or somebody knows. You know what I mean? That, yes. I think that that's really eloquent. The whole idea of being known. And that with God, we don't have to work so hard at explaining ourselves. That he knows us better than we know ourselves. So, Jeremy, thank you for that. I really appreciate that. So, as we looked at that verse, uh, all those verses, that, that chapter in Psalms 139, that talks about our conception and that God knew us before we were formed. Now, I haven't heard very many people, I, I really haven't heard anybody speak on this, but it was very important to me when I was working through all these different identity issues and uh, adoption issues that happen for people. And it was this idea that, you know, this conception was chosen by God and that he 
chose to conceive me and that it's not like anybody asked God's permission as to whether or not I was going to be born. But I took it even deeper, and what helped me even more was the idea of inception. So when you think about inception and what that definition of that word means, it's an act, it's a process, or the instance of beginning, it's the commencement. So inception, okay, here's some synonyms and antonyms for that. Baseline, beginning, uh, dawn, day one, genesis. So inception is the idea before conception. So when I think about, my goodness, inception is the most important piece. That's when God thought you up. It was the inception. It was the idea he had of you. And he decided to go forward and actually have you conceived. So he made sure that you were conceived. But he had to have the idea of you before. That means he had forethought. And the reason this was important to me is because being adopted, I know that I was not planned at all. This, and the, the circumstances of, of my mother, my birth mother being pregnant was not necessarily positive. And so there was no planning with me. And when God really explained this to me, it was so helpful for just inner security, for my own self-worth, to know that God said to me, you know, I know they didn't plan that. They didn't plan on making you, but I did. I have had an idea of Cynthia for a long time, and I've been waiting to actually conceive my own idea of you. I mean, that's phenomenal. So when you think about the fact when the psalmist says, you knew me before I was born, you created me in my mother's womb. See, this is God saying to you, I'm not worried so much about the circumstances of your birth. I'm not worried so much about who gave birth to you or who even was in part of the conception process or what family I even put you in. God's biggest impetus of you, the most important thing about you was that you were created. He thought about you, and he thought through it. He didn't do it after the fact. I used to feel like God said, uh-oh, Cynthia showed up on the planet. We're going to have to make a plan for her. We didn't plan for that. When God was saying, I- I've known this all along. Since the beginning of time, I knew you, and I formed you, and I made you. And he knew everything I would be doing, everything I would be thinking in my life. And he still went forward in conceiving me and making sure I was born. And then I made it, actually, through the birthing process. And that's a big deal that I actually appeared on the planet. So I want you to take that in, and I want you to really understand what this really means. That inception the opposite, the, and there's, there's an opposite for inception because it's a conclusion, but inception means it's the beginning. It's the beginning of the process. And this is why it's so important for you to realize that God does not regret making you. And that's, that's incredibly important. So when we look at that verse again, we see how well God knows us 
And that part of God's job, <clears throat> excuse me, is wanting to introduce you to yourself. He's wanting you to fall as much in love with you as he is in love with you. And I don't mean like narcissism. I just mean he enjoys you so much, even in the, the downfall, even in your foibles, even when you are messing up, he still loves you. And he still will say he knows you. Now, that, that's a big deal. When someone will, will, you know, say, oh, yes, I know that person. And God goes even further. He says, not only do I know you, but I formed you, I created you, I wanted you, and I'm glad you're here. And I'm not going to abandon you in your mistake-making process of living. But he doesn't walk away from what he created. So this is important for us to really think about how God feels about us and why this is so important, because it gives us so much courage and it gives us energy to keep trying and to not give up to keep showing up for every day that God provides for us. That every single day we have means that God wanted us in that day. And we need to show up for that day and do whatever it is that he has called us to do. And whatever it is that we mess up, we simply say, I need to learn from that. I ask for forgiveness if I need to. I ask for forgiveness from God. But I keep moving forward, knowing that God knows the day that he was going to have me born, and he also knows the day that I'm going to die. So the healthiest thing that I can do is not worry about that. I let that be. Now, there have been times in my life when I wanted to know, well, how long am I going to be here? How long do I have to be down here on this planet? Why do I have to be here this long? You know, and, and what would it be like if I knew the day that I was going to die? And so this is part of a trust issue with God, that he knows better than I. And he makes sure that if I'm working with him, that I'm going to live out my life and that it will have meaning and purpose and that it means a lot to God. So join me in the next segment as we talk more about this idea of you being the best version of you. Welcome back. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host, and you're listening to Conversations with Cynthia. If you're just tuning in, make sure you go to the website at CynthiaHyatt.com and you can listen to the show in its entirety right off uh, the website. Or if you miss shows, you can always go to any of your favorite podcast servers and we're on probably all of them. I mean, it's a big statement to make, but we worked really hard at making sure they're available as easily as possible. So we are talking today about this idea of inception and conception and the idea that you were made for a reason and you were planned and you're not just happenstance. And God was very specific in how he formed you, how he created you, what he thought about you, and when he decided for you to appear on the planet. And so I talked a lot about my adoption and why this was so powerful to me. And when I read the Psalms 139, it says, you know, you're, you're beautifully, wonderfully made. 
I knew you before you were formed. I created you in your mother's womb. That was staggering to me because I would feel so insecure about not being planned. And I would feel like I had to prove that I was allowed to be here. I had to prove my existence, that, that, I, that I did have a right to be on the planet. And I know that might sound dramatic, but when you're searching for identity, especially in your teenage years, it can be very, very confusing. And the fact that I felt like I, that I wasn't planned, and when God said to me, Cynthia, maybe, you know, your parents didn't plan you, but I did. See, nobody can be born unless God thinks them up and decides to create them. We're just the vessels that God uses to make sure that human is born. So I want you to think about, now this is maybe going to sound kind of strange. It will also date me. But when I was younger, as a teenager, one of my favorite songs was a song that Carly Simon would sing. She's not the original artist of it, but she would sing this song called You Belong to Me. And I, as I was working on this, all of a sudden this song popped in my head. And I thought, that's a strange song to think about in terms of what we're talking about, the whole Psalms 139 passage. But when I started thinking about the words of the song and I looked up the lyrics, I thought, this is really fascinating because this is what God is saying to us. So I'm going to read you these, these lyrics. This is what, when, when we are talking back to God, The song starts with this statement, Why'd you tell me this? Why'd you tell me this? Were you looking for my reaction? What do you need to know? Don't you know? I'll always be yours. And you don't have to prove to me you're beautiful to strangers. I've got loving eyes of my own. You belong to me. And it goes on to say, you belong to me. Can it be, honey, you're not sure? You belong to me. Thought we'd close the book, lock the door. You don't have to prove to me you're beautiful to strangers. I've got love and eyes of my own, and I can tell. I can tell, darling. You belong to me. And I thought, that was fascinating. It's not exactly But it's so meaningful when God is saying, you don't have to prove anything to me. I already know you. I've got loving eyes of my own. And I see you for who you are. And I thought of you and made sure then that I got you created. I thought you up. I planned you. I conceived you. And now you're here. And you don't have to doubt that you belong to God, even if you don't feel it. You don't have to doubt what he sees. He says he has loving eyes, loving eyes that he looks upon his people with. So I appreciate you listening to this much of the show. And we are going to come back and talk more about this idea of being your own best version. And that I don't want you to be looking to the right or to the left. I don't want you to be looking to any anything in society or about who you should be, could be, would be, ought to be. I want you to go straight to the one that created you and say, I want to be the version you thought up, you thought of when you created me. Nobody can be... As good as you can be, nobody can be as bad as you can be. 
because you're unique. There is no replication. So you want to be the best version of you. So we're going to talk in this last segment about what it means to be your own best version. And see, there are many versions of ourselves, and I have many versions of who I am as I've gone through through life. And, and I've seen how all of those attempts, right, helped me to finally land in knowing who God actually created me to be. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the last segment as we talk about Be Your Own Best Version. Welcome back. You're listening to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm your host, Cynthia Hyatt. Thank you for joining me today. If you're just tuning in, I want to make sure you can listen to the show in its entirety. So you can go to any of your favorite podcast servers. Also, you can go to the website at CynthiaHyatt.com and you can look at it there So and listen to it. So thank you so much for joining me. And I want to remind you that we are working on study guides. So if you're wanting to listen to the show um, yourself or with other people, if you want to do it as a group, we have questions and, and ways you can process more of the show with, with others. So make sure you check that out as well. Um, Right now, we're really talking about you, and we're talking about why you were made and how magnificently, wonderfully made you are, and that that has nothing to do with whether you're good or bad. It has everything to do with your, your in, innate value as a human, that nobody can do you as good as you, and nobody can do as bad as you can do. And you are incredibly unique. And it's an interesting to think about the fact that nobody is replicated. Even identical twins, as we've talked in previous shows, have different fingerprints of how they also affect the world. And so their spirit, their soul is unique. Even if their body is identical, they are still different. So when you think about this idea of be your own best version, the way that God helped me to understand this was way back in 1990 when I was really struggling with some identity issues. And why am I made like this? Why did you do this, God? Why didn't you do it like that? And why do I have some of these talents and abilities? Why do I not have other ones? And it was this a very, very difficult time in my life. And this is when I really heard from God in a very specific manner that he says to me, I just want you to be the best version of you. I don't want you to compare yourself to other people. There is no comparison other than just comparing whether or not we're typical humans. But nobody can be me. Nobody can affect the world the way I can, good, bad, or indifferent. And it was a very powerful insight and awakening for me for God to say, would you just please focus on you? Stop looking to the right or left. And it's the same thing we teach anyone in sports, and I was a swimmer, and one of the main things they always told you was do not look to the right or left in the lanes. Do not look to see where you're at. You will lose. It, it, will, it will take away time. And so God is saying, Cynthia, stop comparing, contrasting yourself to other people to try to figure out where you are in the hierarchy. There is no hierarchy. It's horizontal. We are all of equal value. That doesn't mean we are all the same. 
And it doesn't mean we, we can do all the same things, but it means we are all of equal value. And if you've heard me talk about this before, you know that, that great insight God gave me when he says, you know, we don't even, we're, we're, when we have to kill serial killers, let's say we are, are saying, you know, they have a death sentence. And so we, we're, we're, we're killing these, these people. We even do that humanely to some of the most egregious humans, ones that have wreaked carnage and damage all over the place, sexual, you know, you know, child molesters, kidnappers of children, and we still sterilize the needle that they are injected with, and we still make it as humane as possible. And that isn't because people like them. That's because that's what humans really are about. That is natural to most humans. So what I want you to think about is there's three things that God really explained to me about being my own best version. And that was that I'm, I, it's very important that I realize I'm alive for a reason. I wasn't just happenstance. I didn't just appear on the planet. That God has created me for a unique and particular purpose, weaving it in to his very creation. And that's important. You need to know your life for a reason. That nobody can sustain life unless God allows it. We can't fight God on that one. This is why many people that suicide are frustrated when they survive their own suicide. Life is a very different thing when it comes to to God's control over it. So the truth number one is that your life for a reason. God created you for a unique and particular purpose. And the second truth is that you can affect change in yourself and in the world around you. So this is important to know, that we do affect each other, and we do help each other be better versions of ourselves, or worse. So you do affect the world around you, whether you know it or not. I I have people that come to my office and they tell me that they had an epiphany because of something a stranger did. They don't know the person, don't even know their name. But it was the way they interacted with that person, and maybe it was a negative interaction that helped them to say, wow, I don't ever want to be that person. I don't ever want to do that to somebody. Or maybe it was a positive interaction that gave them hope for the rest of their day, a complete stranger. So think about the fact that whether people tell you about it, whether you're paid for it, whether it's acknowledged, you can affect change in yourself, and in others. And then the third truth that was very important was recognizing that we live in a fallen world and that when Adam and Eve sinned and Satan took over, that this truth became um, prolific in our world, and that is that pain is inevitable and the effective management of it is imperative if you want to be who you were originally created to be. So one of the things that we know about pain that is so fascinating to me is it really does find somebody out. It is so revealing of who the person is. Pain really shows us who you are. And so we either see this truly remarkable, amazing person because of pain or we find out, because of the pain that person is in, how small they are inside. But pain is universally 
the greatest reveal for all humans. It either brings out the best in us or it shows who we really are. So this is what I want you to be thinking about. This idea of being your own best version. Now, I've been counseling and consulting and coaching people since 1990. And through these many years of experience and through watching and researching, I really have learned these basic core truths. And they continue to stand the test of time. And they do apply to everyone, everywhere. It doesn't matter what nationality you are, what language you speak. And so the first one that we talked about was this idea that you're alive for a reason. And that God created you with purpose. And he's weaving it in to the very creation. And the second one, again, is you can affect change in yourself and the world around you. And then lastly, again, pain is inevitable. And the effective management of it is imperative. Otherwise, it will change you in a negative manner. So the first and most fundamental truth is that you are alive for a reason. And your life is not an issue of happenstance, and you are here for a reason. There is a point to all this. So why are you here? Why are you here? Have you asked God that? Have you asked yourself? What are you going to do about being alive? Because, see, you're either going to be surviving or thriving. And I want you to be thriving. That doesn't mean we're, we're getting rid of pain. It doesn't mean we're making life easy. It means that pain is causing you to be a better person, not a smaller, weaker, more selfish person. So see, whether you believe it or not, whether you feel it, your presence matters. You affect this world and the people around you positively or negatively, and the fact that you will influence others is a given. Regardless of your position in life, you will affect people, places, and things. Think about the person driving, and the way they drive is affecting people, right? They don't even know they're affecting people necessarily. So just because you might not think that, oh, I'm not a, you know, I'm not a rock star, I'm not a movie star, I'm not a famous person, whatever that is, I don't have any like, real talents that I think anybody's interested in, so really it doesn't matter what I do or say, because I don't affect anybody. Well, I'm telling you today, it's not true. Everyone affects everyone in one way or another. And you can choose to do it positively or negatively. It's as simple as driving into the parking lot at the grocery store. There's one really good parking place. And a person comes up to it at about the same time you do. And what do you do? Do you affect them positively by giving them a good day and saying, hey, go ahead and take the space? Or do you fight them for it and give them a dirty look? And it's as simple as that. See, when you think about the fact that Jesus impacted the universe and the entire planet for all time, and he had no car, not even a bike, he walked everywhere he went, He talked to one person at a time. Sometimes he talks to masses, but the most effective presence and power he had was talking to people one-on-one. So this is just the way that God has made humans. So we live in this world that's extremely interconnected, very highly complicated. So what kind of effect are you having? And, And I want you to really think about this question. 
Are you one of those people that leave others feeling replenished, renewed, reinforced? Or are you, or are you the person that leaves people needing to be repaired or restored? See, now, why is this important? Well, I believe if you're going to be the best version of yourself, you will add and not detract from others and the world around you. So how do you affect others? And I don't want you to try to be, a, this is not a popularity contest. This is about aroma. And if you think about the, the term aroma, what is aroma? Well, it's the scent that is left after the person leaves. After that food leaves the building, right? The aroma of spaghetti is still there. So when you think about your effect, you have to say, what, what's the aroma? What's left when I leave? And that's what's so important about you being who you are because it's unique. It's unique. So you have something in you that's unique, special, and original. And the most important question you could ever ask yourself is, are you being the best version of yourself? I want you to compare yourself to yourself. I want you to compare yourself to 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, yesterday, this morning. The best version of you, whether you're being a parent, an employer, an executive, a spouse, or a friend. And the second most important question is what's holding you back from being your own best version? Maybe that's you. Maybe you're your own worst enemy. Maybe you are judgmental, critical, condemning. Maybe you are the one that's having the negative effect on you. I'm not telling you to lie to yourself. That, that doesn't help anybody when we flatter ourselves in ways that we know aren't true. But it's important that you are truthful with yourself. And that if you are speaking truth to yourself, and it may be negative, that you're kind when you do it. That you're kind. And we've talked about that on this show a lot. That's Luke 25, I think. Chapter 25, it says, God is kind. You be kind. And I have found that the kinder I am to myself, the easier it is for me to be kind to others. So be your own best version and ask God for guidance in that. This is Cynthia Hyatt with, with Conversations with Cynthia. Have a great week, and I'll talk to you next week. We hope this past hour has been encouraging, motivating, and inspiring to you. The messages and teachings shared during the show are given as a way to reach you, the listener, with ideas and insights on how you may not only improve your life, but have more successful and meaningful relationships as you become the best version of you. Cynthia is available as a keynote speaker or guest speaker for your corporate or spiritual events. Cynthia is able to customize a message for any audience attending a meeting, retreat, or conference. In addition to this, she oftentimes partners her messages with music as she is a singer and musician. Please contact her through her website at CynthiaHyatt.com. If you missed any part of this program, you can download the most current show from our website at CynthiaHyatt.com or hear a replay on your favorite podcast server. Please take a moment to visit her Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Incorporated and leave your ideas and comments about today's show. Now, be your own best version. Be my-